Hello and welcome to Nerd Vomit. My name is Doug. I'm a nerd and this is my vomit. There is a fair amount on the vomitorium this week. I'm on my own again as uh, Deb and I, uh, Deb, former host of No Applause, Just the Clap, and my creative consultant, um, we have an interview with William Cat from Greatest American Hero. Those are the pipes. Sorry. And uh, we've got an interview with him uh, later this afternoon for Denver Comic Con, kind of a pre-thing where we're going to promote him before he arrives in Denver. So um, I'm on my own. Uh, Troy can just sit back and relax this week. But I'm going to get into all the trailers that he and I wanted to talk about because, well, they just need to be talked about. So let's get right into all the trailers. First off, and some of these are going to seem a little dated, I apologize. Joker. What do I think? Uh, I think that Joaquin Phoenix will do a great job. I'm excited that Scorsese is executive producing a grittier character study of the Joker, where it's more about kind of what turns him into the Joker without being like really over the top, like Jack Nicholson or Jared Leto or Cesar Romero. I kind of like that it's a more grounded earnest take on the Joker. So I'm excited. I mean, are they going to get my money? Absolutely. Is he going to win an Oscar? You know, I'd actually like to think so. That This this could be another superhero movie that gets uh, uh, an actor uh, Oscar. Uh, of course, Heath Ledger getting it posthumously, uh, Best Supporting Actor for Dark Knight. But I'd say the uh, level of my excitement is uh, adequate for this one. Um, it's a very quiet excitement where I'm like, yeah, I'll go see it. I'm looking forward to it, but I'm not like, oh, holy fuck. So, um, the Stuber trailer dropped and this is another one where I'm, I'm just going to see it to see it because it's Dave Batista and Kumail Nanjiani. And it's another movie where he plays an Uber driver, much like he did in Big Sick, but this one is more action oriented. And, uh, I'm just looking forward to like the kind of weird mashup buddy comedy that is Dave Batista and Kumail Anjani. It looks fun. That's all I really have to say on that. It looks fun. So I'll see that. Um, Star Wars. Well, let's see. She does a badass kick flip thing. And, uh, and then the emperor laughs at the end. I mean, really that's all we know. And, uh, Leia's in it, which is weird. So, I mean, they're going to get my money. It's the end of a saga. It's the end of the Skywalker saga. And where are they going to go after this? I don't know. No one knows. Well, I'm sure Ryan Johnson knows. And Kathleen Kennedy know. And George Lucas might be kept in the loop. I'm not sure. Probably not. Maybe. But Star Wars. It's a thing, apparently. Uh, have you heard of this Star Wars thing? I think it's going to make some money. And it looks like... I, I Once again, it's like Avengers Endgame where... Um, I don't really feel like excited until I'm in, like, in the theater going, oh my God, I'm about to watch it. Um, and I'm not going to talk about Endgame that much right now. Uh, we may get into it later, depending on how long the episode goes. But, uh, Star Wars, the end of the Skywalker saga. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, I'll, I'll be excited once I get my tickets and I'm in the theater and I'm like, oh my God, I'm watching the end of something that's taken 40 fucking years to tell. Um, I don't, my life has always had Star Wars in it. My daughter was born on Star Wars Day. My first movie in the theaters was Return of the Jedi. You know, I'm, I'm, yeah, Star Wars. I mean, what more can you say? It's fucking Star Wars. 
uh, The Boys on, I think, Amazon, I believe, is based on the uh, Garth Ennis, Derek Robertson comic. Uh, this is the comic where, when it was about to come out, Garth Ennis said, this thing is going to out-preacher, preacher. Garth Ennis, of course, uh, co-creator of Preacher. He was the writer along with the late, great Steve Dillon as the artist. And uh, I watched the Not Safe for Work kind of red band trailer for boys, and it looks like it's going to out-preacher Preacher. It is dark and violent. It has a woman crushing a dude's head as he's uh, as she's sitting on his face being pleasured. Uh, it's going to be great. I, I cannot wait um, to see what they do with the boys. It, it was one of those... I haven't read it in a while. Um, I think I read it for the first... Two and a half, maybe three years. Um, I was there when it did its jump from uh, DC. I believe it was Vertigo or, or whatever their adult um, mature imprint was. Uh, jumped from DC to Dynamite um, because DC was like, "Hey, you're really skirting the uh, the uh, likeness rights, the infringement type of thing with uh, the X Men and the Justice League, and well, pretty much everyone else." I mean, he took the piss out of everyone, every character in comics uh, with the boys. So um, the fact that he's not shying away from that and it doesn't look like it's going to shy away from that in the trailer is I'm very excited for. Um, to see Billy Butcher come to life as played by Carl Urban, uh, great. It's going to be my little fix since who knows what's going to happen if he's ever going to do another Judge Dredd movie because Dread 3D was fucking amazing. So... In lieu of that, we get him as Butcher in The Boys, and I'm excited. So excited. Um, and today, uh, as of recording, right now, uh, literally a couple hours ago, the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer dropped. Now, I like that Tom Holland comes on at the very beginning and says, Hey, if you haven't seen Endgame, skip this. Lots of spoilers. So, in that I'm not going to get into kind of the spoiler stuff of the trailer, I am going to say that it's... It looks so fun. It looks fantastic. And it looks like it really does kind of, you know, Endgame kind of pulled the drawstring of the sweatpants, I guess. What a weird metaphor, Doug. Um, to the end of the whole thing. But Spider-Man Far From Home is actually the end of Phase 4. Kind of the end of the whole story that's been going on for 11 years with Thanos and the Infinity Gauntlet and all that jazz. Far From Home looks great. Looks fun. I'm a little twitchy about... Um, Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio, and it's not that I'm twitchy about, um, or hesitant or reluctant with Jake Gyllenhaal being Mysterio, it's that they reveal in the trailer that Mysterio is from an alternate world, and it introduces a multiverse, and I'm like, oh, fuck, here we go, because this is how DC got around all of their shit, where, you know, you have the Arrowverse and their extended universe, whereas Marvel's like, no, this is, boom, everything's here, this is Earth-616, which is what they call it in the comics, kind of the prime reality. And for them to introduce the multiverse at the very end, I mean, yes, it gives a nod to the fact that, you know, they've talked about possibly going cosmic and multi-universal in the next couple phases of the Marvel movies. But uh, I, I'm a little itchy uh, about him being, like, from the multiverse, Mysterio being from the multiverse. I'm kind of like, eh, yeah. But I will say it has one of my favorite lines of any Marvel movie so far is when Spider-Man is talking to Nick Fury and says, like, are you sure I'm the right guy for the job? Like, what about this person? What about that person? And Nick Fury just goes, bitch, please, you've been to space. Love it. Love how he just called out Spider-Man and called him a bitch. Love it. 
Um, that's it for the trailers. Let's get into um, an Injection by Warren Ellis. We'll keep going with the whole comic book thing. Um, I read the first book of Injection, which I'll explain the premise in a moment, and I've already ordered books two and three. That's how good I think it is. Uh, I don't remember the name of the artist off the top of my head, um, but he's an award-winning guy. He worked with Warren Ellis on the Moon Knight reboot, uh, Back from Dead or something like that. It works. The art works. The writing, I think, is... And it's not that I'm, I'm slighting Warren Ellis. I love him. I worship at his altar. But it just seems like something that he... A high-concept idea that he thought of in his maybe, like, 20s or early 30s when it was still like, let's change the world, and I'm mad at everything. And then kind of combined with his age and wisdom and futurist look on the world now. Uh, but Injection is about these five people who create a think tank, and it's a brilliant scientist, a basically, like, strategist, but he's a secret agent, a, um, like, Sherlock-level detective, a tech savant, and a guy who could or could not be a wizard. Um, kind of uses, I, I would say, more of a very grounded urban fantasy coincidental magic, um, but it's called a cunning man, uh, not so much a, a magician or a wizard, but kind of moves within kind of the cheat code that magic is to our reality, as Warren Ellis put forth in Planetary, with the always amazing John Cassidy. Uh, but they, they have a think tank, and they figure out that, you know, the future it looks like stagnation in terms of innovation, technology, uh, everything. Basically, just the future is going to be boring. Um, and so they create this thing called the injection that's a semi-conscious AI thing that they inject into the internet and it starts affecting reality and basically poisoning it. And while they're all driven by the, the guilt of what they've done, uh, they're brought back together to um, stop everything that the injection is doing and it's communicating to them by the end of it, which is a great uh, uh, deus ex machina in the comic in that you seem to think there's this kind of omniscient narrator, this third-person narrator, kind of oversees everything, and, oh, this person always does this thing, and this person always does this thing in there, and it explains some of the character motivations, and then you find at the end of the first book, that's the injection talking. And whether it's talking to you, the reader, or talking to, um, I believe her name is Maria, the, the, the brilliant scientist that kind of takes the lead on the first book, uh, kind of your uh, reader surrogate, whether it's talking to you, the reader, or talking to her, you're not quite sure, even by the end. So, very interesting mechanics in terms of the writing with that. So, hats off to you, uh, Mr. Ellis, and as well as the artist whose name I'm, I'm going to go look up right now. That name is Declan Shalvi. I'm probably horribly mispronouncing his name. Shalvi? Shalve? Maybe? Um, but... Look into uh, Injection. If you like that, check out there. They did a six-issue run of a, kind of a reboot on the Marvel character Moon Knight, which was very surreal. Uh, things that are new that I've been taking in. Uh, iZombie Season 5 premiere. This is the last season of iZombie. Am I excited to see where it goes? Absolutely. Are they already setting up in the first episode that there's a huge overlapping arc of human-zombie relations? Yeah. And it starts with uh, a, a little fender bender where zombies end up eating a woman. And um, I like that, you know, Blaine's kind of back to being kind of the weird uh, brain-peddling 
kingpin uh, major has kind of taken in. He's kind of coalesced into a character I like now. He was kind of a whiny bitch, to bring that back. He was kind of a whiny douche nozzle uh, the first couple seasons, but now that he runs Fillmore Graves, ha ha ha, um, I, I, I think he's, his character arc is finally completed in that he's a full, realized character. He's not kind of the two-dimensional, whiny ex-fiancé character. Liv is back in, uh, in rare form, i got to say, because this is them trying to solve a crime without her having to eat brains, because there is no brain for her to eat, uh, in that Ravi ends up with his monthly zombie craving and becomes some kind of weird knuckle-dragging mob enforcer character, which is hilarious to watch as his girlfriend gets hit on by the skeevy talk show host Johnny Frost. It's back to form with iZombie, and I'm so excited to see where it goes. This is a show I've missed uh, and kind of didn't know I missed until I started watching it and went, oh, I forgot how fun and how smart and how clever and how sharp all the dialogue and the production is. Uh, it's it's just, it makes me sad that it's going to be its first, or I'm sorry, last season, but it makes me excited that it's back. Um, speaking of excited, and I'll wrap up on this and we'll talk about Endgame next week with Troy, hopefully. Um, and we'll do all the spoilers for that, so just know that next week is going to be a, almost an entire episode about Endgame. I'm sure I have a ton of notes. If you haven't seen it, then, you know, you've got about two and a half weeks uh, since it came out to, to see it before we spoil it for you. Um, but it says, uh, FPS binge. Yeah, I've been playing almost nothing but Borderlands outside of, you know, watching trailers and watching iZombie and reading Injection and all the other stuff I've talked about for the last, you know, 15 minutes. Um, I've been playing nothing but Borderlands 2. It's become a weird obsession um, to the fact where now that I'm kind of good at first-person shooters, I picked up the Bioshock collection, which is a game that I've always wanted to get into, but I went, oh, it's a first-person shooter, and it's it's going to sit there for a while because I've got some other stuff. I've got Days Gone, which I haven't even touched, haven't even unwrapped since Borderlands 2 has been taking up all my time. And it's it's my own fault in that I've been running nothing but side missions, um, as was recommended to me for the experience points by a friend, as well as they're just fun. I started a, a basically like a Hetfield-McCoy like feud that started with like, oh, sabotage a car and then blow up a little distillery. And it comically escalated to burning down like this like shanty town and then like killing everyone at a wake, like comically escalated to the, the cartoonish brutality of this game. I love Borderlands 2 so much, but Bioshock I'm so excited for now that I've kind of got a handle on this first person shooter thing. So sorry, I tend to get like hyper focused on things and Borderlands 2 is that thing for right now. Um, I want to get through it and play the pre-sequel. And then of course Borderlands 3, which I've already reserved, uh, comes out in the middle of September. So I got a couple months, about three, four months, whatever the math is on that there. So that's it. Um, like I said, uh, I'm just going to tease that we're going to be talking about Endgame. If you want to get excited reliving the moments of Endgame, tune in next week. If you don't want it to be spoiled, don't tune in next week uh, unless you've seen it and you just want to hear me and Troy talk about it. I've got a ton of notes, and I promise, uh, I promised Troy I wouldn't talk about fucking animals uh, the next time we recorded together. So look forward to me probably breaking that promise by accident. So, from Nerd Vomit, I'm Doug. 
I'm a nerd. This has been my vomit. And I'm out like a boner in sweatpants. If you like this, check out some of our other shows like Exotic Liability, No Applause, Just the Clap, and Black Falls. We can be found at www.bacnpodcast.com and by searching for The BACN on Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. Oh, yeah.